Welcome, 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 Internet. The Weekly Patch Crew is back at it again with your Week 5 Patch. My name is Jordan, and I have the lovely duty of being your host this week. Alongside the story of our seasons, Spencer. Hi. Aww. It's been a long week. The longest fucking week ever. The Halo aficionado, Zyger. Hey, everyone, how's it going? <laughs> lovely, lovely. And Netflix and Chill Zone, Kaylee. That is me. <laughs> like every week, the week five patch will be starting with the news, which we call the Scrum. Oh, actually, that actually makes it sound gross. Like it's something we're cleaning up. Well, don't make it gross. Now it's gross that you said that. It wasn't gross until then. And speaking of cleaning up, we begin this week with Roblox, the game platform creation system that went public this week and ended its first day valued at $38 billion motherfucking dollars. $38 billion. That's huge. So much money. If you don't know what Roblox is, I said before, game platform and creation system. Think Dreams, which is a thing you might know because it's gotten a ton more press, but accessible and on platforms that everybody has, and you can sell your own games. With the pandemic causing the U.S. to shut down last March, many young children went to Roblox as a creation and hangout space, resulting in a 48% increase in Roblox user base. That left them having 120 million active monthly users in 2020. That's so many! That's, That's like, fucking huge. If all of those people were in the U.S., that'd be one in every three Americans. Speaking of U.S. stats, according to the Roblox Corporation, the stats that they took, two-thirds of all U.S. children between nine, ages 9 and 12 use Roblox, and a third of all Americans under age 16 use Roblox and played Roblox last, last year. That shocked me. But I happen to have a sibling that is 15 years old. So when I saw this information, I did the responsible thing like a journalist, and I texted him, what the fuck is Roblox? To which he responded, you don't know? <laughs> which made me feel pretty great. You boomer. You don't know, Kaylee? Like, all he responded, I was like, hey, do you play Roblox? Because I was trying not to make it obvious. I was like, hey, do you play Roblox? I'm cool. I know about Roblox. And he was like, yeah, sometimes. Why? And the funny thing is, Roblox is older than your brother. Like, yeah, oh, Ro- it's Roblox crazy. is our generation. I think that's why he was so surprised, just to him, it was just some old thing. But I was like, what the fuck? I don't know. What is it? Tell me. I thought it was Legos until recently. And his definition was, it's a video game. Basically, it has multiple games to play with friends, like murder mystery, hide and seek, prop hunt, etc. And I was like, okay, well, it has a thing called murder mystery. My little brother keeps spelling it mystery, M-I-S-T-O-R-Y, like mystery. And I can't. I'm always like, I'm pretty sure you're just bad at spelling, but is that, like a, <laughs> is that a pun? It'd be a fun pun. I kind of want to create like a fairy garden, like Valley in the Mist, Sherlock Holmes game and it, call it a murder mystery. That'd make me really happy. Now, Robot Selects, no. anybody who uh, plays it or uses it, code their own games using Lua. And it's fairly accessible and meant to have like wide access to everybody. You can play it on phones, you can play it on PC, and you can even play it on Xbox One. Uh, which is why so many people have gravitated to it because it's also free to play. The success of Roblox probably comes as a surprise to many people that follow only mainstream games news, but that's partially by design. When Roblox came out, the creators had a lack of interest in press coverage and didn't like the hype cycle, which makes sense because part of why they didn't get much press is because the games industry hype cycle is focused on big AAA things with big money backing them. And at the time, they were just a small company that kind of slowly built and built its following it came out in 2006, 2021, is that 15, 17 years? Math is hard. Over the time that they've been out, and now they've just become juggernauts. This story is impressive, not only the $38 billion number, but most video game studios, companies in general, don't go public in general. So going public and having that meteoric success immediately, this it started at $38 billion. It is much more since then. Two days later, it was at 47 and I know it's definitely gone higher since then. 38 billion is the market cap of Take Two Interactive. Dang. And that's a publicly traded company for several years now. Jeez. Jeez and crackers. So, for perspective, they basically launched last week and immediately became as big and powerful as Take Two Interactive. Little reference point. Nice. That's a good reference point. 
I like I like stories like this, but I also it also makes me feel weird because it's like when indies don't become any anymore because they're giant mega billion dollar corporations, and that's what happened here. But in other news, Streets of Rage Four publisher Dotemu and developer Tribute Games have announced a new four player Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles beat 'em up to be released later this year for PC and consoles, which I'm super excited for. Are we gonna play it? There's four of us. I just realized that. Holy shit! I'm Mikey. I'm Mikey. I got dibs. If they figure out how to do online uh, multiplayer, which no beat 'em up that's recently come out has really figured out well, maybe. No, we're gonna party. COVID's gonna be over soon, dude. You, you're totes right. It's time to start discussing couch co-op. I got a charcuterie board, and I'm gonna <laughs> use it. Damn it! <laughs> you can't do charcuterie for two. It's been me and Zyger for a year and a half. You look like an asshole putting all these little cheeses and meats on a plate for two people. No. You do. You do. You do. You're not wrong. Good cheeses and meats. <laughs> so this is big because for well, for two reasons. Tribute Games is partially known as a studio comprised of former Ubisoft developers that worked on the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World game. It's also big because it's a, another pattern in beat-em-ups being released that contribute to the uh, revival of the genre. I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of those, what I refer to as classic, iconic games of the genre. Streets of Rage, the Simpsons arcade game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. They're all ones that people think about, and two of those are licensed that when it comes to that beat-em-up genre. So it coming back in the same kind of two years that Street to Raids come back, in the same year that, um, what's the game that was a meme that's not a meme anymore? Shaq Fu 2. I was literally thinking the same thing. <laughs> I wasn't talking about Shaq Fu, but that's a good one. It, it has frogs. Frog Fractions. Battletoads. Battletoads, thank you. Battletoads. Is Frog Fractions the game? Fraction Frogs too. Frog Fractions. That that is a game, but it's also not a game. It is Frog Fractions, right? Yeah, it's, it's never going to come fractions. out, but it's a great myth. Yes, okay. Just if we don't if we don't keep that all in, I'll be so disappointed. Oh, I'm just waiting for the rest of you guys to tell me. I got dibs on Mikey right away. Nobody else. I'm I'm Donnie. Okay, I was gonna say everyone's got real mum. I want everyone right now. You need to call dibs. I'm Mikey. <laughs> okay, so is this where I admit that I've never seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Like I've seen the movie. That makes it easy. So I'll just take whatever's left because like. That means you're going to end up being Raphael unless Zyger's Yeah, down. you're Raphael. And Zyger has to be like Leo because he's the main protagonist of everything. Yeah, I this is so wrong because <laughs> if anything, I'm the Raphael and you're the Leo and Spencer's the Donatello and Zyger's the Mikey. But uh, <laughs> we're not actually playing the type here. I hate Raphael, but yeah. it is what it is. I'd like to think I present as the Mikey and internally I'm a Donnie. You think you like present that. as the Mikey? Yeah, I was, I was once referred to as a Joy Personified. And that's just Mikey. Aww. I've never seen you eat pizza. I no, have no, pizza no, no, in no. my fridge right now. Have I, right now. Are you eating it? The fact that you have pizza in your fridge and it's not already eaten is why you're not a Mikey. Well, Kayla, you also Mikey have, pizza, have in the fridge. pizza in his fridge. Yeah, and I'm not a Mikey. I said that. I got dibs on playing Mikey because he's the best one. He's the Ringo of the group and oh, Ringo's the best beetle. But that doesn't I mean I think I'm a Mikey. I don't like any of that Mikey slander just now. I don't, that, no. I Mikey's the best! On. I need He's to move on from the this best. story because this is the, we're, this is starting some shit that we ain't ready to start. Paragon lives. <laughs> the failed Epic Games third-person MOBA will see life again in the form of the new third-person MOBA predecessor from Omega Studios with a $2.2 million raise. That is the most ironic name ever. So I just I didn't get it until just now. I'm sorry. You can retake <laughs> this, but it just occurred to me that this game that is just is an old game reskin is calling itself predecessor. It just I just exploded. No, let's keep it all in because you know what Omega Studios is just a demo backwards. <gasps> that, that was that was the point of the name. What? Shut the fuck up! <laughs> oh, they are working on levels. Yes, they know exactly what they're doing, and the reason that they know what they're doing is because as they raised two point two million dollars to fund his development, they came from the community when Paragon ended and was closed down. Epic Games made the assets available to everybody and the Paragon community, like big streamers in the community and a couple of developers came together and said, we're going to make something with this. So they're already like the community. They're already internet people. They kind of know what they're doing when it comes to naming and branding and saying something cute. It's a Reddit video game. Okay. Yes. I mean, Reddit already took over the stock market, so they might as well make a game this year. Fuck it. And they also received a Epic Games mega grant to work on the game because Epic knows that if they're going to put all their money to Fortnite and can't afford to do it to Paragon, they can put a lot less money to Predecessor and know that some 
fans will pick up the slack, which is how like the entire games media is run. Just, just like put the put the community to work and give them the scraps. Sims. Yeah. Would any Fallout game or Elder Scrolls game be as beloved if no one could experience them with mods? That is my question. I have a lot to talk about mods from game properties that Bethesda owns, but that'll come up in free play. But speaking of things that'll come up in free play, Microsoft announced this week that its purchase of Bethesda has been finalized, resulting in a ton of Bethesda games being released on Xbox Game Pass. I'll go to the details of that in free play and a little bit of talk about games history. I didn't realize that the deal hadn't been finalized. Like, I thought when it was first announced, it was first announced because it was basically done. And I didn't realize it had been hanging out in limbo for this long. And that's why they hadn't done anything with it yet. That's because of Europe. Fucking Europe. And their damn monopoly laws. How dare they? <laughs> Just destroying everything. How are we supposed to get the Fallout guy in the Marvel movies if it doesn't eventually get bought by Disney? Do they even think about that? No, they only think about themselves. I wish you called him the Fallout Boy to talk to continue the conversation that we had before we went live. We talked a lot about Fallout Boy, guys. And if you want to hear more about it, ask for it in the comments. Maybe we'll talk about it later. <laughs> but to rein in a little bit, in a more serious news, former MVP of Overwatch League and professional Valorant player Jay Sinatra Wan has been accused of sexual assault by Cleo Hernandez. In a statement by Alex Francois, the global head of competitive operations for Valorant at Riot Games, Sinatra has been suspended for the remainder of the season, pending an investigation by Riot. If AMC and Chris Hardwick has taught us anything in the last few years, it's that independent investigations by entertainment organizations don't always consult with the people accusing these millionaires with assault. Hopefully Riot's investigation proves to be different. Cleo has actually already mentioned that she has not been contacted by them and has already spoken out basically saying the same thing. She's like, man, you know... A lot of places have a habit of not talking to the people accusing them, and I would really like to think that Riot is different, so I basically can't wait to hear from them, uh, implying that she hasn't heard from them yet. For the record, DeFran was a fucking creep when this was announced and doubled down on the fact that women do this kind of thing for attention and that accusations are not to be trusted. Fuck him. He's a clown. It's also really interesting because if uh, Sinatra hadn't left Overwatch when he did, he would be the fourth Overwatch League player suspended for sexual harassment and assault. Fourth Overwatch League player. Half of that from one team. Looking at you, Boston. But Jesus Christ. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Games are full of people that are bad, but the world's full of people that are bad, but games are full of people that are bad. We don't need to idolize terrible people. Pushing buttons well doesn't make you a good person. Shout out to B-Movie Fan. Shout out to B-Movie Fan. For those that don't know, including our co-host staring at us incredibly blankly (laughs) right now, B-Movie Fan is the old tag of Note, uh, formerly of the Dallas Fuel, who is not signed right now and should be, because Note's mom, for those that also don't know, is on Twitter and is very active supporting her son's gaming career on Twitter, and it's the most wholesome thing I've ever fucking seen all my life. It's beautiful. Excelsior. She goes to games. It's so cute. I love her. I'm a huge B-Movie fan fan. (laughs) Love it. Spencer's actually repping her Valiant jersey right now. She keeps flexing it at me. She's repping big, hard Valiant. We weren't even planning this, but it's just how it is. This is natural. Uh, That is the end of the Scrum this week. Did we say a story that you wanted to hear? Did we say a story that you didn't want to hear? Are we missing anything? Hit us up. Say something. Tweet at us. Do all the things on the social medias. Let us know. Email us. Email. Hello at theweeklypatch.com. Boom. There's so many ways to contact us. Yeah. And speaking of contacting for better conditions in life. That one was the stretch. I'm I'm going to call you out. That one was the stretch. I didn't get that one. Well, you know what? I'm the host. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know what? I don't even well, have to transition this damn thing. <laughs> I could just uh, say, and now we're talking about this. <laughs> boom. <laughs> So the quality assurance this week, the QA, is talking about a myriad of things. But where we're starting is a racial wealth gap amongst influencers in the internet entertainment world. Now, this is not specifically limited to games, but influencer culture is a big part of games. And all the things that affect people outside of games are still affect them inside of games as well. We talked about last week, you know influencer culture being so fucking insane that it's getting to the level of creating entire careers out of harassing influencers you decide are not 
quote unquote worthy of being influencers. So yeah, it, it definitely influencer culture is a huge part of gaming culture. Influencer culture can make or break games. I mean, yeah. Among Us had a revival two years after it released because in the post pandemic world, a bunch of YouTubers, streamers, all these people just are just decided to pick it up. I didn't start playing Among Us until after the AOC stream. She's an the biggest influencer. Yeah. But it, it comes from, it starts from a Bloomberg article that we will post in the notes uh, entitled, Marketers are underpaying black influencers while pushing Black Lives Matter. And TLDR, motherfuckers be racist, y'all. When you look at games, because I want to start with games because it's the reason that we're here today. A big news story that came out, or a big hubbub of thing that was happening last year, was that Black influencers, Black streamers, Black YouTubers were having trouble getting copies of PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and so on and so forth. And the people that were getting them for free are the people that are monumentally successful already. The people that clearly could afford it. And there's, it becomes a cycle of they can afford it because they're the biggest streamers, but they're the biggest streamers because you platform and as such. And you're not platforming the marginalized groups of people. And so that conversation started going and going. And while all while all the game studios and just all the tech industry and startup industry is pushing this Black Lives Matter rhetoric that implies that they're about the cause. I'm, I, as I read this article and I, as I looked back on the history of how people talk about race in influencer culture and how even saying Black Lives Matter before last year was just a big no-no because they wanted to be, you know, too apolitical. You know, you can't, if they, you can, they push Black Lives Matter too much, they'll, they'll seem like they're on one side or they're trying to seem like they don't like cops or blah, blah, blah. Fuck cops. But you look at someone like PewDiePie, where if you just YouTube PewDiePie saying the N-word, you'll get compilation videos. And he still gets all the sponsorships. He still gets all the things. He still gets everything he wants. He might get a YouTube TV show canceled. I love that you didn't even have to reference the anti-Semitism, of yes. which you'd also find camp- compilations. Yeah, it's it's so easy to, but he still gets support. He still gets deals. He still does work with other influencers the same as if nothing happens, while black influencers struggle to make money in general. And it was pretty evident when we started talking about, when I started talking about the Black History Month retrospective, one week ago, two, week, two weeks ago? I think it was two weeks, yeah. When I was expressing how I had a friend, Josh Boykin of Intelligame, who streams weekly to about 20, 30, 50 streamers. And just that one day of push by Twitch gave him a 30 plus, 30,000 plus viewers. And that's the type of things that the white contemporaries are getting on a regular basis. In that same vein, it's not exactly the same, but like one thing that really stood out to me that I was remembering was during last year when the whole Black Lives Matter movement was going on. Do you guys remember the video that Twitch put out when they were trying to support Black Lives Matter? The video where they went to multiple different partners on Twitch to say like, hey, we will pay you to have like a moment to say Black Lives Matter. And none of those creators are black. Yeah. Yep. They were all white males. Yeah. And then Twitch released that video. Again, paying everyone who was a part of that video, not a single one being a black person. That video was up for like maybe an hour before they took it down and they were like, hey, we fucked up. It's stuff like that where companies need to do better. Twitch went to its partner list as like, hey, okay, who are the top partners that we can pay to say the statement so we show our support? But they didn't take a step to like realize like, oh, we should be promoting black creators more instead of just focusing on who is at the top. Because again, they're only promoting who's at the top, which... Are a bunch of white guys, which defeats the purpose, which leads into what we're reading here in the Bloomberg article and everything else. Like, oh, everyone is just going to who they already know instead of seeking out new voices or trying to diversify who they support and who they promote up. It's all a big issue. The irony of showing a bunch of white people to tell the world that Black Lives Matter just shows how much you don't really think we matter. What Twitch did is the epitome of what we're talking about. Let's let's pay a bunch of white people to talk about how black people have issues. Let's not even like think about what they have to say until we realize, oh shit, they might have something to say. Mind blown out of this world. I like to say out loud the argument that I think jumps to people's heads 
so that it can be batted down. And the argument I think a lot of people had at that time, from what I remember, was, well, the kind of people that need to know that Black Lives Matter are the kind of people that don't listen to Black people. So we made white men say it because the only people that the people that didn't realize Black Lives Mattered will listen to are white men. And it's like, okay, I can follow that logic, but... It's bad. You know, did you have to pay them? Did you have to maybe have like one or two white guys in a video that's predominantly black people? You know, there's a, even if that if that like if that most charitable devil's advocate reading, which, again, I that's what I th- saw as the most like the biggest defense of Twitch at that time. Th- that's what I kept saying. Yeah, I saw that, too. OK, I'll I'll give you if that was their intent. Here's why it's still stupid. You know what I mean? Even anybody who's thinking that right now, who's like, well, you know, why is that necessarily bad? Here's why that's necessarily bad. The, the, I also find that that is a bad faith argument in that, like, it's like a bad faith argument, like, disguised as, like, logic. Because that goes under the impression that it means that the majority of people consuming entertainment don't consume black entertainment. And if that were true, the biggest recording artists in the world wouldn't be like Drake and Beyonce and Rihanna and all that jazz. The Grammys are happening as we're recording this, and and all anybody's talking about is Megan Thee Stallion and fucking uh, Beyonce. Of course, is everywhere. Beyonce's three second year old daughter just won a Grammy. Like, yeah, yeah. The reason that those people are the biggest on the platform are because you know they are good at what they do. Blah blah, blah caveat. But also because they are given the platform, they are promoted by the platform, and it's kind of a situation where the more you promote. You use your platform to promote people. I mean, to take it back to a game developer standpoint, the biggest thing for an indie dev is for our games to be put on the front page of a store, whether it's the front page of Steam, front page of any PSN, Xbox Live, any of those things. That will change our game from a game that sells 10,000 copies the first week to 100,000 the first week. Can we peek behind the curtain even more with that? I don't know if we're still within the window, but like anybody listening right now who hasn't subscribed or reviewed, like in terms of this podcast getting on the front page of like news noteworthy and being just like on that front page for people to scroll versus not, is the like the difference between that and just being one of a million podcasts that you can't find unless you type in the title is five subscribers. Like that the difference between a couple of people hitting subscribe and opening up a show to that many more viewers is is, is honestly that big a deal it's 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 such a huge platform like just being on the front page of a thing whether it's twitch whether it's youtube whether it's trending on twitter whether it's you know new and noteworthy on itunes just having things there just like you know black history month or even back when protests were happening so brands were like oh shit it's it's hip to be anti-racist we got to do something um all of the like afterpay and klarna all of them all of a sudden had a category that's a black owned and it was super easy to just tap one thing and get only Black-owned businesses. That could have been a thing forever. But it didn't happen until it was trendy <laughs> to do. And so, like, it, it, and that made a huge difference. The, the, the people talking about the difference in their businesses before and after, you know, getting that front page stuff, it's massive. And so for Twitch to pretend like they don't have the power to just uplift whoever they want at any given time is, is charitably described as disingenuous. It's like when you have the power to platform someone to actually making them be able to live for live for like do this for a living. It means that, you know, that you have the power to choose who is being successful. So when marginalized people, particularly black people, are not successful on your platform, it is actively your fault. Twitch. YouTube. And that comes back again to the concept of, you know, Twitch being like, well, we didn't, you know. All we did was not do it. You know, it's we're just not highlighting black people. We're not doing something racist. And it, and it goes back to, again, that not doing something is an action. When Jordan just now saying, like, you know, it, actionably your fault. It's like, you are, you are making the action of choosing not to do something. That is a choice and an action that is being made. Even if the action is inaction, that's how you're still culpable. Because, yes, you chose to do nothing. That's literally, yes, that is what we're saying. That's the problem. I think the thing that really gets me mad about it is the level of pay disparity, which I think we're going to get into in the next little bit, is so much that, like, people can't, people cannot, like, live off the level of pay that they are getting, Black people, 
specifically can't live off the level of pay they're getting, which means they can't build collectives or like organizations that like we see, like we have a lot of indie YouTube gaming collectives, right? Like easy allies, kind of funny. All the rooster teeth people, even the rooster teeth is pretty big now, but all the rooster teeth ones. Yeah. There's like a ton of those, right? Like all of those organizations were made because all of the people in those organizations could afford to quit their job or could afford to do influencing in a full-time way that they could uh, then get with other influencers who were working in a full-time way. Like Smosh is one where like those two were two people who came together who then made like a giant YouTube collective that got sold for millions of dollars and then both of them left. But like we will never have a mainstream all black collective of gaming people if they're getting paid at the levels they're being paid at right now like it just like you can't have a full-time job and do that like having a, a collective that gets the kind of eyes and views of like easy allies or something is for people fully time doing it that transitions perfectly into what i'm going to call the testimonial side of this where there is an Instagram page, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but it's fypm.vip. It's fuck you, pay me. <laughs> fuck you, pay me. Of course it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch it, that until now. It identifies as a glass door for influencers. So it's where people can anonymously give them information about platforms and other places that are hiring influencers for whatever they want them to do. And I have some 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 statistics and information and data that they uh, have. All this will be put in the patch notes. So they have a post that asks, is the influencer industry racist? Is the influencer industry racist? The data so far suggests yes. Where they list the top three highest paid influencers on their platform. For white influencers, $250,000, $60,000, and $12,500 dollars is what they have for black influencers one thousand five hundred dollars i'm speaking lower because it's much lower amount 1350 1000 legitimate fraction a tenth of what's going on for the third highest paid it's a tenth now insane it's the, the discrepancy is 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 like destroying my soul all i can do is laugh as my soul gets disintegrated on average, white influencers receive uh, cash compensation 47% of the time, and black influencers receive it 42% of the time. Not a big discrepancy there, but when you look at the numbers, big motherfucking discrepancy. And when they did, white, influence, white influencers received $4,352 on average, while black influencers received $478 on average. 10% again. So you're, you're seeing tangible, like, these are facts. These people are making so much less. And it's not just because of the platform sizes. It's also just they're just being taken advantage. Yeah. And when I say taking advantage of, we go to another uh, Instagram page called the Influencer Pay Gap, which is another anonymous source where people reach out for not only advice, but to express things that have been happening when with regards to being hired and being kind of screwed over. I found a we found an Instagram page called Influencer Pay Gap which is another source of anonymous information for people that are taken advantage of by people that try to pay them. And I'm going to read one. This is not in games, but it, the same rules all apply. And I'm going to do a little little question and answer kind of bit. You've all seen, everyone in this podcast has seen this post, but I'm going to ask you questions as if you haven't. Oh, okay. Hello. Please keep me anonymous. Okay. I am a black plus fashion influencer. Following 8K, a brand asked me to shoot professionally once per month with a per, with a photographer they hire. All images are kept by them for their website and social media outlets. Outfits I cannot keep. Then they want to provide outfits for content creation for Instagram, TikToks, video previews, photos in the clothing, blogs, etc. Use their hashtag and promo my personal discount to my audience. Three-month contract. How much is that worth? How much is it reasonably asked to be paid for that amount of work? Do you think, as people who have no idea how much like what that deal is and people that might have some idea. What do you think that much work is worth within a three-month contract? Let's go around. I'll go last. Yes, Spencer will go last. 
Okay, Spencer probably is the best, uh, has the most knowledge. Zyger, do you want to go first, or do you want to take a second to think about it? Because I'll just I, go. I don't give a fuck. I'll go after you. Okay. I was like, I- I'm not afraid of no ghosts. So I have dabbled in video editing, and I've done photo editing for, like, weddings and shit. I have never had to do any of this stuff, though. But I have a generalist, but, like, you know, editing the podcast and editing video, I have an idea of how much, like, we're talking about making TikToks, Instagram posts, video reviews, photos in the clothing, blog posts, like, you know, making Instagram and Twitter stuff for this podcast, I couldn't do my, like, me, Spencer, Jordan, Zyger, we all do work on. So one person doing all of this, I'm like, this is basically a full-time job for three months. So this is essentially, like, I have to be able to live off this contract for three months. So it's like a a base living wage. What's 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 fifteen dollars an hour times forty hours a week times twelve weeks? That's my answer. I would assume that the amount for this amount of work organization with the brand, assuming that they have other work to do, I think I would assume that this would be they would be get paid about six thousand dollars for this. That's what See, I would assume. I did the math for mine and it came out to 7200 and then you got to figure out that, that this influencer is going to have to do their own obnoxious taxes. So I would be like, you're looking at at least 7500 for this to average out to $15 an hour. If they did this full time, if yeah. they spent 40 hours a week on this project, you'd be looking at about $7,500. Yeah, just... You're thinking about 6000 okay. It's like the price is right. Ooh. Yeah. Just looking at the everything that the post has the fact that the company is going to pay for the photographer and it's not like oh you're also paying for a photographer my first guess was like oh probably two thousand per month so it's a three-month contract so six thousand total okay which i think is like livable weirdly prescient like you and jordan it's almost like we're the protagonists (laughs) spencer Okay, so I have done almost everything that has been mentioned in this. I came to event planning from being a professional photographer. So cool. So you're going to do our headshots after this. After quarantine, our production is going to skyrocket because we're going to have Spencer come and take all of our headshots. Yes, I can do that. So 8,000. The thing I would like, it's hard for me based off numbers because like if you're looking for a social media team, and you're looking for people to advertise. If they're only focused on the number of followers someone has, you need to find a new social media manager because it is not about followers. It's about engagement of those followers. So let's just give her generously. She gets 10% of her followers to do it, right? So that's 800 people. Yeah, you guys are pretty close. I would say it's probably 1,500 to 200. 2,000 a month is what non-shitty social media people would do. I was saying that this would take about 40 hours a week of work with my hypothesis. How much work realistically is this in your experience? Well, that's my real question. If this is like you usually have like two or three contracts and this is a third of her income, I think that's pretty reasonable. 1500 to 2000 Oh, what is she? It does, that's the thing. She's pretty vague about how much they want for Instagram, TikTok, or mm-hmm. video reviews. Like the video review, paying for video reviews is like that's questionable yes behavior to begin (laughs) with this is the kind of stuff that makes me every day be like why are you doing marketing why do you do this i would say so tiktok it depends like do they want five tiktoks a week or is it one tiktok a week right like if she has to do one tiktok a week that's probably like several hours on whatever day she does that but she's probably posting tiktoks several times a day right if she's Mm -hmm. got eight thousand followers at this point right like that's the only way to do it Mm -hmm. the blog they're just asking for a lot of they're asking for a lot of stuff that isn't relevant that's going to help them and only give her work is what I think. Yes. Now, so we we all have a general consensus. We're all in the same ballpark, fifteen hundred to two thousand a month, three months. Almost sneezed. Didn't. Uh, <laughs> I was like, that was quiet. I, I was shocked. I was certain you sneezed. Fun fact: When you're trying to sneeze, if you want to stop it, you can picture yourself taking a bite into a fresh uh, grapefruit, and sometimes it goes away. Spencer just did the mouth move that you really do to make a sneeze go away. But the other pro tip for making a sneeze go away is pinching the bridge of your nose. Like at the at the highest point where you'd put like the little pincher when you're going swimming. If you pinch your nose when you feel like you have to sneeze, it will make the sneeze go away. I just put a finger under my nose. A lot of people do that. And a lot of times the sneeze will still happen. If you pinch the, the top of the bridge of your nose, like the highest part where you could still like pinch, that's what's going to make the sneeze go away. Also, if you punch yourself in the face... 
you'll be thinking about that too much and you won't sneeze anymore. I lived with a cat I was allergic to for 10 years before realizing I was allergic to cats. I learned a lot about how to sniffle sneezes. Speaking about a punch in the face, uh, the actual retail price amount of money that this influencer was being offered for their contract was $250. Total. Not a month. Total. 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 We all we all hypothesized roughly six thousand seventy five hundred fifteen hundred to two thousand per month six thousand dollars for the amount of work for context and they got paid they would have gotten paid two hundred fifty two hundred and fifty dollars the thing that's wild is that they know that's how much it is to do photography work they know how much that's how much it is to do editing work because they're paying the other photographer there's no way they're coming in the other professional photographer who's coming in to shoot her is taking two hundred and fifty dollars just no way they're right. like for that one shoot. they're getting laughed out of every photographer's office but if you're 17 years old and you've never had a job before and oh my god 250 dollars hot shit i get my own cell phone plan then my mom can't bitch about you know my mom can't threaten to turn my phone off when i'm in trouble because i'm always posting tiktoks and shit like that's how they're able to function when i talk to a friend who is also a pr event person and that in hollywood her advice to everybody is to stop calling yourself an influence and a content creator. Bill yourself as what you do. You are a photo editor. You are an editor. You are a model. You are a writer. That is what you do. It is not this amorphous thing that we've created so that we can charge people less for skills people know take a long time to t- acquire. I have been so passionately against the term of content creator for the entire time of its existence for that purpose because content creator doesn't mean anything if you no. if you ask go to someone who's 75 in the midwest and you tell them that you're a content creator they will know what the fuck you're talking about if you say you're a video editor if you say you're a photographer if you say you're a writer if you say you're a comedian if you say you play video games for a living they'll at least have some idea of what all those things mean but if you say you're a content creator that doesn't mean bullshit so that so you can pay for whatever you feel like it costs for that And it puts this really undue pressure on people. Like when I started getting into content creation, it was like, okay, well, I need to learn how I need to know how to edit audio. But everyone's also looking for people who know how to edit video. So I need to learn how to edit audio and video. And, you know, I'm streaming full time. And so I need to stream at least, you know, you know, I need to stream at least X days a week for X long while I'm learning how to edit video and audio and learning Photoshop. Like you have to have full range of knowledge of the Adobe suite, which is an incredibly expensive software program that unless you got the benefit of like, you know, Zyger gets a, either gets it for free or gets it for dirt cheap from his uh, college. And I bum yep. off his. We would not have Photoshop any other way. We would not have Adobe Premiere any other way. I spent $30 a month on the editing software I use to edit the podcast because it also transcribes for free so that we can do transcriptions like it is not cheap and it takes so much time and you're doing all of this and you're like holy shit this takes so much time it must be a thing where like the better you get at it the less time it takes because everyone else is doing all this stuff and everyone feels like everyone else knows everything so there's this burden to like because content creators are nebulous you'll have friends that like all do youtube videos and they know everything about youtube video creation and you're like am i supposed to know all that so then you start learning everything there's to know about like video cameras and editing and video editing and script writing and how to read from a teleprompter but then tiktok's huge so then all of a sudden you're learning how to make tiktok videos which is totally different software on a totally different like your know, portrait versus landscape for a completely different audience you have to learn about hashtags and when to post videos and that isn't even anything that's going to help you when you start a podcast or when you're live streaming and with these expectations that people have of like oh you know you're a content creator so anything that is content you should be able to create yourself it's like expecting everyone to be those one-man bands that have the like symbols on the hat or are like between their legs and like like the dick van dyke from mary poppins where he had like the drum backpack and he was playing the instrument and he's got the harmonica around his neck and he's playing the fucking symbols with his knees and he's a one-man marching band and he would just walk around and you'd pay him that's what content creators are there's an expectation that everyone should be a one-man marching band and also work for like a shiny sixpence that someone throws into your hat while they're walking down the street I mean, the other dirty secret is a lot of content creators don't do all that. There are a lot of editors. There's a lot of video editors that are just editing YouTube channels and doing that, right? Like, there are a lot of people who wanted to be YouTubers and couldn't, like, 
hit that magic moment of like time of like what they were doing being popular or whatever who like rolled those skills into editing for big channels and even and little quite channels. frankly it's ridiculous to expect someone to be charismatic good on camera but also a good writer and also technically provision in audio and video engineering two disciples that are complete careers on their own like expecting the people that do make it that do everything themselves typically once they make it they start outsourcing some of the shit that they don't have time for and you don't hear about that you just know that they started I feel like there are people who think that the creators of South Park still make South Park by like moving construction paper and taking the picture with it and that they think well the South Park guys do South Park that way so I should be able to animate in my basement and if I can't it's because I'm not talented enough and that's crazy expectations and that's ridiculous and the dirty secrets of like we don't know who the best editors in the industry are because we just assume the people that are speaking on the podcast are doing everything. And sometimes there'll be like a ghost joke of a person who's like, you know, oh, you know, Dave, the editor. And Dave becomes like this mysterious running joke of a person because they're not on the show. So it's like, do they really exist? No, you guys are just doing this yourselves. Like it's it's bizarre. It, it keeps people with real talent out of the spotlight. It creates undue pressure and it allows people to prey on other people. There's no benefit. No benefit at all. Yeah, looking at the example that uh, we had from the Instagram post just now, of the girl with the three-month contract only for 250 that 250 alone is not enough to cover the Adobe suite for her to even make the videos that they're asking for. Or any of the, like, tools you use to make, like, stuff for social media, right? Like, there's exactly. all kinds. Of- for context, because I think Kaylee, like, beautifully explained it, for, but for context of, like, you know, job titles that you can think of. If picture any person that you perceive to be a content creator. Now, for their operation to work, one to four people will have these jobs. They are directors. They are lead actors in the thing. They're lead performers or talent, however you want to call them that. There is an editor. There is a photographer. There are sometimes writers. There's marketing people, social media people. There are people that handle merch. All these things come together for this one job title that doesn't express the amount of work that goes into it. Saying that you do content creation does not say all those things to those people that hear it, which is why so many people are taken advantage of. Now, we gave an example of one person being taken advantage of. Now, I'm going to give an example of a more respectable one so that people can see the difference. And there is a follower difference, but that's not what really matters, just like Spencer said before. Hey, thanks for all that you do. Asian American woman, 205,000 TikTok, 27,500. Instagram, 5,000 YouTube. Campaign deal with Microsoft, four TikToks, $2,000 each. Five Instagram feed posts, $400 each. 10 Instagram stories, $250 each. One Instagram video, one YouTube video, $400 each. Total deliverables, about 12,900 paid over three months. Still less than what we said would be respectable for probably this amount of work, but still way more than what that other person was. Um, being paid. I forgot to mention, I create content in the educational industry. I'm a first-generation launch student. To wrap up, the industry can't pick and choose when to support uh, marginalized groups. When it's a large movement or, you know, a history month or any of those things, they can tout that they support people all they want. But when it comes to getting paid, when it comes to making influencers live off of the work that they do, they can't pretend that it's just business to sell them short and not pay them well that it's just business to not platform them and platform the other people that have been at the top of the list the entire time. And until the platforms take responsibility for their part in it, there will continue to be an influencer racial wealth gap. Oh, I um wanted to make sure we put out there because I forgot. SAG-AFRA just in their latest rules and like who is eligible to be SAG-AFRA added influencers to oh, their shit. Union. So. Oh, can we join the union? Mm, I have to look up what the like things are, but I was a SAG actor. Yeah, I want to see how they define influencer. So that's interesting. People who qualify should absolutely do it because I'm gonna get health insurance. Yeah, you'll get awesome health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> they define influencer as someone who is a one-stop shop for advertisers. That is a fucked up way to to express it, but man, is it true? That, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. That, that, that's a very vague. More people should have to admit that that's their job. I mean, I think they do it because they don't want to step on. It's hard. Influencers have always, like, the, uh, the topic of unionizing influencers has always been where do they go? Yeah. yeah. So one of them had to be like, we're doing it and we're carving it in the most narrow way that makes you think it's us that should have these union members, not other people. Fascinating. So if you're a giant influencer listening to this, join a union. If you're a small one. And if you're a small one. If you just if you just qualify. Join the union. Join a union. Join a union. And if you don't have a union that you qualify for, that means that you need to start a union. Boom. And with that, let's lighten the mood as opposed to talking about how the world is closing in on marginalized groups. And start talking about how Microsoft is closing in on being a monopoly. Oh, no. Wait. You said this would be better. <laughs> so like we said in the Scrum, uh, the Bethesda acquisition from Microsoft is finally completed. And with that, they just they, they came out swinging. They're like, these are all the Bethesda games on Game Pass. And I'm going to list all of them for you. It's 20 games. Get ready. Hold your seats. Put your feet on the floor. Get your drink. Get your popcorn. Wait. What? It's 20 games. And yet the infographic they chose, 24 divides into groups so easily. And for some fucking reason, they were like, let's do rows of seven so that it doesn't. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. What the fuck? Why would they do that? They could have done anything else. It was so easy. They had so many options. They needed to frame this photo this way so it looks good on Twitter. Yeah, it has to fit that weird Twitter. It has to fit a Twitter box. They don't want to get hit with that crop. Because Twitter is dumb. So the games are. Dishonored Definitive Edition. Should you play that? Eh. I like the Dishonored series. Dishonored 2. Doom. Doom 2. Doom 64. Doom 3. Doom Eternal. For some reason, Doom 2016 is missing. I wonder why that's the case. Wait, wait. You said Doom Eternal. You said Doom is missing. I wonder why that's the case. Did you. Doom 2016. Yeah, did you mean that ironically? Like, everyone should know why that's the case? Or was that an earnest question? That was an earnest question. Oh, okay, cool. I was like, I don't know why. Do you know why? I can tell you why. Oh, really? Because it's already on Game Pass. When they announced that Xbox was buying Bethesda, every Bethesda game that is not currently on this list is already a part of Game Pass. Oh, So they could fuck. have said more than 20 iconic Bethesda games. That's weird. 20... Oh, they could have said play 20 new iconic Bethesda games. Yeah. It would, it would or have more. Been... Play 20 more. That would have made more sense. And they have the room for it, visually. More could have been online. Continuing the list, Fallout New Vegas, Fallout 4, Fallout 76, Prey, Rage 2. Who wants to play that? Hurtful. The Elder Scrolls 4, Morrowind. The Elder Scrolls... Wait, 3, Morrowind. The Elder Scrolls 4, Oblivion. The Elder Scrolls 5, Skyrim. The Elder Scrolls Online. A lot of Elder Scrolls. Evil Within, Wolfenstein New Order, Wolfenstein The Old Blood, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Now, before we talk about this, I'm going to take a moment to just talk about how huge Bethesda is. And how big of a deal they are outside of the reasons that you think. Oh. Bethesda. Specifically, it's a software. It's software? It's studios? It's software. Yeah, it's software. Has the rights to the most influential video game series of all time. Wolfenstein? Wolfenstein. Because Castle Wolfenstein. Take it right? Yes. <laughs> Look at you, smart person. Okay. <laughs> well, continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to list the game, the, the games that Castle Wolfenstein, the original Wolfenstein game, not made by its software, influenced. It directly influenced Adventure for the Atari, which pretty much introduced keys into games, keys that open things, keys that open doors. We didn't actually have keys in the real world either until then. It invented <laughs> the concept of keys. A lot of don't know that. The Legend of Zelda. Metal Gear, and then Wolfenstein 3D, which then led to Doom, which is what we understand or what we interpret as the first modern first-person shooter, the game that started network multiplayer, the game that started death matches. Cafe, Castle Wolfenstein uh, revolutionized action adventure games, revolution just kind of just started creating first-person games and stealth games all in one, and Bethesda just has all the Wolfensteins behind it. Now, Castle Wolfenstein was not a Bethesda game. It's not a it software game. But it software then picked up Wolfenstein Wolfenstein 3D and then continued that series. So just just owning that game alone is huge for games history. When you think about games history, you think about Nintendo often. And you think about The Legend of Zelda. You think about Mario. You think about all these other games. But the game that then influenced Legend of Zelda started 
with Wolfenstein. Not to mention Doom. Just like before we called them first-person shooters, we called them Doom-likes. Yeah, I remember that early N64 days. Like, oh, this is uh, when they were talking about Goldeneye. This is like, oh, it's a Doom-like because it's a shooter. Yeah. Oh, man. For context, we still don't even have a, a name for what Souls-likes are yet. I mean, we have, you know, it was fine. It was like Souls-like. And then it was like, oh, it's a Souls-born game. And then Sekiro came out and fucked everything up because everyone was like, no. We have to get the word Sekiro in there somewhere. And I've heard quite a few like chimeric bastardizations of those three games. None of them are good. Let's just call them Code Vein-like games. A blood secchi born. Oh, no, no. Like, it's all right. I mean, they don't get better, you guys. They don't get better from there. I didn't make it up. <laughs> Speaking of chimera, like, I am pretty sure that one of us has been playing Fallout 76. There's a lot of Chimera-like monsters in that game, aren't there? Spencer, how is Fallout 76? It's good. I like it. See, that was a that was a transition I did myself. I, I was shocked. I was like, wait, is somebody playing Fallout 76? I don't think you got a hit with that one, bud. <laughs> Your battleship's just... Oh. I've been paying attention in Discord. Yeah, I've been playing for like... Uh, probably play like four or five hours in right now, so I'm not like super into it. I was like, oh, this is free now. I'll, I'll, I'll play it now that it's free, but it's good. If you like, if you like running around a Fallout world, and is the music good? Yeah, I mean it's Fallout. There's yeah. music in Fallout. I have so I made a joke at the beginning of the podcast about people that don't play Bethesda games without mods. I've never played a Bethesda game until I played Fallout Four, and I have an like you know Fallout Four keeps track of how long you've played in hours and then days and then weeks. And I've been playing for weeks amount of Fallout 4 <laughs> is how it's being measured. And I started, I dabbled in mods once for like one play session and I was like, eh. And then I just went back to playing without mods. And it's just, I love walking up. I love the music. I love just jamming out. We could go get a nuclear bomb and end the world. See, and I love the promise of that. That was the most romantic thing anyone's ever said to me. Thank you. I mean, Valentine's Day is a little late, but I feel that. Oh, is it white? It, it's the... <gasps> it's day. March 14th. It's literally uh, white day. Oh, yeah, it is white day. Oh, my God. That was a really <laughs> good white day present. Thank you. <laughs> my my experience with Bethesda games is retroactively Doom because that was a game that could run on Windows 98. So I, I played it a lot in school when I should have been doing other work. I played... Fallout 3 for about 10 hours and Fallout 4 for about 10 hours. That's as much as I can take of a Fallout game. And I really enjoyed those 10 hours and then put it down and said, I'm good now. I don't think Fallout 3 is that exciting, but Fallout New Vegas, I'm like, I'm actually, originally I was tempted to play it. Right now, I'm tempted to get Zyger to start playing it after this recording because I actually just kind of want to watch because it's just a little, it's a little too old and ugly for me to enjoy playing. I kind of want to play. I have Fallout 4 on PS5 now because they gave it to us at launch. And I keep thinking maybe I'll just play some Fallout 4 on PS5. It's still ugly. Yeah. It's still ugly. Not that ugly. <laughs> Fallout, Fallout 4 is not that when When you play the game like I do, which is, again, just wandering around, rocking the fuck out, it's like, yeah, everything looks like a radioactive wasteland. It all looks like shit. I don't care. You know what I mean? It's all broken garbage. I don't fuck. Uh, when was the last time you went back to Fallout 4? When we, I think, were living in Renton. That's what I was thinking. Oh, 2018, 2019? That game's going to look worse to you now. I mean, that's not that long ago. It is. I don't think it looks that great. Like, you know, especially when you're, like, in dialogue, the character models are like, eh. I just don't think it's, like, you know, I play Star Ocean. I play Star Ocean 4. I'm thinking about picking up Star Ocean 4, The Last Hope, has a 4K version on PS4. I found out about yesterday. And I don't give a fuck. That game is the (laughs) ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's also not fun. It's also I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It was so much fun. I liked Limmel. She was fine. I enjoyed Limmel. I'm a Star Ocean apologist. I don't give a fuck. But I have actually never played the first Star Ocean, and the first Star Ocean got remade in 2019. So I'm actually thinking I'm picking up that 2019 version of Star Ocean. And that's how much we care about Bethesda games. We started talking about Star Ocean. No, I'm just. I will take any opportunity to talk (laughs) about Star Ocean. I personally, I'm. This does nothing for me. None of these games are my type of game. I don't like uh, aggressive violence. I don't like stealth. I don't like fantasy, and I don't like horror. That's all the video game genres. That's everything in this list. (laughs) 
So it's it's one of those things where I'm just happy that other people are happy. I might pick up Fallout 76 because I miss playing games with people, but otherwise this is gonna do nothing for me. I, I think it's super cool that um you get all all the dooms here. Yeah. Because you even have the bad ones, like Doom 3 and Doom 2 and Doom 64. Damn. What I'm most excited about with this Microsoft Bethesda merger, and I've told Kaylee about this off podcast, but just the fact that knowing all future Bethesda titles will be just coming to Game Pass day one is enough for me. I've played, I think it was Oblivion, and I enjoyed that, so I feel like I like Elder Scrolls. Never played Skyrim, even though I've owned it three separate times and haven't opened the game. It's real ugly. No, that's an ugly fucking game. You talk about Fallout 4. You got like, try to make people go back to play Skyrim? It's a bunch of potatoes. Elizabeth 6, I'm tentatively excited for, but I'm more excited for the upcoming Indiana Jones project that they announced and uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, which. I'm fairly confident it's PS5 exclusive for the first year, and then it'll come to Xbox later. It is PS5 exclusive. You can just get it on PS5. Yeah, but I can get it for free on Xbox if I wait a year. Or you can just buy it on PS5 and then play it again on Xbox. It's going to be the last Bethesda game you're going to be playing on a PS5, so you may want to do that if you can. Like, they made it pretty clear in that they had, like, a round table. Yeah, they had that announcement when the purchase went through. Where they sat around for... For like an hour and a half and we're like talking about what they plan to do. And the two big things that came out of it was Phil Spencer made no bones about it. That the reason Xbox wanted to buy Bethesda was to give Game Pass subscribers exclusives. So he definitively like ended that conversation. I hate the Xbox controller and the DualSense is like the most comfortable controller on the planet. So I am really sad that I won't be able to play these games on PlayStation because I just, the for me, my preferred playing experience, PC, console, whatever, is, is PlayStation 5 at this point. I would prefer anything coming out to come to PS5 before anything else with Switch being my second option and then depending on the game, PC. Now, I mean, at least you'll be able to use a PS5 controller on PC. And the workaround for Xbox yeah. Game Pass is open up Steam and then pick up your open Xbox Game Pass game and then it'll just read it as an Xbox controller. I mean, the other thing they did, which I think is like a classic Bill Gates era Microsoft move, is the it's not exclusive to Xbox and PC. It's exclusive to all platforms that have Xbox Game Pass, which is yes. basically them saying playstation fans scream at sony until they put xbox game pass on sony on playstation you want to play these games you can do it i don't think they i think he knows it's never going to happen but i think that that's how they like they want to put the idea out there Mm -hmm. also put it on switch it runs on mobile (laughs) y'all xbox live is currently already on switch because if you play minecraft on nintendo switch you can connect your xbox live account and get like xbox achievements i've been doing that for years at this point I mean, I think we see games from Bethesda come to Switch in the same way we saw... Is it the Resident Evil games that came to the cloud in Japan? Oh, yeah. yeah. Bethesda now has the power of Microsoft Azure behind it, right? Like, Which I think is like something that gets overlooked a lot. And that was the second big like news thing that came out of that like roundtable was Todd Howard flat out said that being acquired by Microsoft means the technical problems that happened with the launch Fallout 76 are pretty much done for Bethesda. And that's true because like Microsoft has a huge culture over there of collaborative working between divisions. So like if they can't get something right, but there's somebody over in say Azure, that's like, well, we've done like this load testing thing for this and this is how we got around it. Like you're now getting, you're now getting the like, creative side that of bethesda which is like what people like about it and like the some of the best minds of software and computing and developing especially in the cloud space like together because and it's not like the bethesda ever learned how to make a game for a playstation system like not having to have a horrible playstation launch is like gonna do wonders for their pr alone yeah xbox is finally making use of the fact the main thing that makes Microsoft different from Sony and Nintendo and that they're a software company as opposed to Nintendo and Sony, which are hardware companies that sell software sometimes. It's true. 
that's super true. It's also a matter of scale. I think that that's the thing yes. people forget. Yeah. Like Microsoft, like we think Xbox and when you're listening to games media, like you listen, it's like Xbox is the underdog. Stop calling the company that's owned by the second largest company in the world, the underdog. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like you can say that Sony and Microsoft are both large companies, but then it's also important to know that you know Sony's a large company that a lot of times is not profitable except for their video games division, which means that their video games division has to make money, which means that they can't be as risky. Whereas Xbox knows that even if they fuck something up really bad for a second, red ring, they can afford it. They'll always be able yeah. to. They'll always be able to at least take a hit or two and they have the culture yeah and they have the culture in redmond to do that right like even if you look at like windows right like windows wasn't a good operating system until windows 3 and it wasn't really popular until windows 95 and then they were the operating system they have a culture over there very few exemptions i could think of like windows phone and stuff where they will just keep at it until they are the they tried windows phone again recently like, they, they do keep out Windows Phone, too. Like, that's not an exception. Yeah, it's that's not a just... Google problem where they're like, I'm bored with this. I've got to go do something else. Like, they will just keep at it. I can't wait for the headline that says Titty is officially dead to happen at some point this year. Because that's coming, right? Oh, God. Oh, man. Sorry, Stadia. Maybe in, like, Stadia is going to be, like, the virtual boy of cloud gaming platforms. Like, in 30 years, we'll be like, oh, if Stadia had come out, like, now, it'd probably be fine. Because in 30 years, we'll either all be dead or we'll all have fiber optic. Yeah. We'll all be playing xCloud. xCloud. We'll all be playing xCloud. And we'll be playing Super Smash Bros. 7 on Xbox Game Pass. What if Sony bought Stadia? That would... To complete with the xCloud. That'd be a bad idea. I am stumped. Speaking of... (laughs) Predictions! Speaking of buying things, maybe next week Xbox will buy us two and put the weekly patch on Game Pass. Until then, you can find me on Twitter. At Versified. Well, I'll be reminding you to play We Should Talk on PC and consoles. Buy We Should Talk. It's a game I made. Spencer, where can people find you? You can find me at MissNintendeek64 all over the internet. That's Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. I'm streaming World Ends Club on Wednesday on YouTube for the first time. So come do that with me on YouTube. Would that be today when this episode comes out? I'll be there. What time is that? 2 p.m. That would be the day this episode comes out. All right, cool. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, check out YouTube. Or go watch the go watch the VOD. It's on YouTube. It'll be there forever. Oh, that's true. It's on YouTube. Fuck. That'll be cool. And because it's on YouTube, you can watch and listen to this at the same time. Do both. Give us both the impressions. Zyger, where can people see your infinite wisdom? You can find me on any platform at Zyger1337. Zyger is spelled with an X like uh, Xenomorph. You can't. Stop saying xenomorph. It sounds like a z. But they know what it is. It's the alien from aliens. You know, one of these days you're going to say with an X like Xbox, and I'm going to give you the applause you deserve. Oh my god, I'm an idiot. Why haven't I been using Xbox? <laughs> he could say he could say Xbox. He could have said X Men, X Ray. I don't like the X Men. Any of those? Yeah, but it's a good fucking. It's not the point. I'm not. Oh boy. I tried for weeks. Dude, you saw me give up. Yo, X words are hard. <laughs> are they? <laughs> You're wearing. Oh, he's wearing an achievement hunter hoodie right now. I thought he was. Re- it's green. I was like, are you wearing an Xbox hoodie as we're recording this? He basically is. It's achievement hunter. We just we just spent like 25 minutes talking about Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> anyway, at last but certainly not least, Kaylee, where can I find all your spicy takes? Quirk of art is me. You can do quirk of art on twitch we've got some exciting stuff coming up next week is saint patrick's day when this episode comes out is saint patrick's day i've got some real good surprises in store for my stream on saint patrick's day so if you're listening to this and it's before like 9 p.m pacific time come on over because it's gonna be worth it i'm not i'm not i'm not even i don't want to spoil it Yes, I won't. I, won't I, I know these. I know these. I know some of these plans, and I will say they have traumatized me. So watch them. Oh damn! That's really good. I'm super <laughs> stoked. And then Thursday, we're going to be watching the Snyder Cut in my Discord. So the Quirk of Art Discord, <gasps> I'll link in the show notes. But we'll be watching the Snyder Cut because I have HBO Max. I know it's going to be good. I am a DC Cinematic Universe apologist, and I just know that this one's going to be good. It's going to be great. I know that it'll be probably the best Zack Snyder movie, which doesn't say much. 
Doesn't say much wrong. <laughs> it's going to be the fastest four hours. I'm going to make a drinking game and we are all going to get shit faced, though. It's going to be really good. This is going to do it for the week five patch rollout. Subscribe to future patches on op- Apple Podcasts. I'm going to say that over because I don't like how I said yeah. Apple. Good. Take Next back take. Your disapproving sigh, too, while you're at it. <laughs> Since you're doing another take, you could sound less exasperated at me. <laughs> You just sighed even harder. This is... <laughs> I said, don't try to do a deeper sigh. This is going to do it for the week five patch rollout. <laughs> Subscribe to future patches on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the weekly patch at the weekly patch on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, or join our QA process in our Discord server. Comments, questions, or bug reports, send them to hello at theweeklypatch.com. Links to all these and more in the episode patch notes below. Week five patch complete. Thank you.